0: And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome to our show Rabbi Denise Eger, international Jewish leader and social justice activist, founding rabbi of Congregation Kol Ami in West Hollywood, past president of the Central Conference of American Rabbis, the international organization of over 2,300 reform rabbis. And Rabbi Eger also served as the first openly gay or lesbian person in that position and was the first woman ever elected as president of the Southern California Board of Rabbis, which includes Reform, Conservative, Reconstructionist, and Orthodox Rabbis. Rabbi Eger is also the editor of the groundbreaking book, Mishkan Ga'ava*, Where Pride Dwells, a celebration of LGBTQ Jewish life and ritual, as well as the co-editor of the recently published Gender and Religious Leadership, Women Rabbi Pastors and Ministers. Rabbi Eger, welcome.
1: So happy to be here with you, Rabbi Neil.
0: It's just it's so, so wonderful to have you here with us uh, and through the wonders of technology that we can connect with people outside Santa Fe as well and interview them as well. So I was looking through this book, Mishkan Ka- Gaava, Where Pride Dwells, a celebration of LGBTQ Jewish life and ritual, which I honestly found to be transformative. And I wanted to ask you, why, why this book in 2020? Why... You know, we have gay marriage. We have, in our reformed Jewish congregations, we are largely very supportive of LGBTQ uh, individuals. Why do we need this? Doesn't the regular prayer books suffice? What what caused you to want to write this?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked that because uh, Where Pride Dwells is a collection of prayers, meditation, and spirituality, and a few essays on the LGBTQ Jewish experience, religious experience and spiritual experience. And while, you know, the general prayer book and general spirituality material that might be applicable to all people, uh, has some things that would relate to LGBTQ person. There are particular moments in an LGBTQ person's life or their family and allies life that the tradition doesn't speak to. And so the whole process, if you will, of of coming out about one's sexuality, a whole process, if you're transgender person, of, of the transition between genders, All of those moments need spiritual expression, and so this book has been an opportunity to write and create rituals and write and create prayers to mark the unique moments in a lesbian person's life, in a gay person's life, in a transgender person's life, in a queer person's life, non-gender conforming, with a Jewish Grounding deep within our tradition, and um, I'm very excited about it because it really is groundbreaking. There is no other religious denomination Christian, Jewish, Baha'i that has anything that really centers the voices of LGBTQ people in this way. That's the official prayer book of the denomination,
0: and you know. What you're talking about in terms of acknowledging that that spirituality, as I was looking through this book, and I'm I'm a straight guy, and um, you know a prayer for before starting uh, where's it prayer before beginning hormonal treatment, and I thought, wow, I I never thought of that as a a spiritual moment, but that's because in my norm it's not, is it?
1: Right, and your norm as a cisgender. Um you know man uh, is is not the norm for someone who is a transgender person who is transitioning genders and to understand that they are who god made them to be and now it is time to have the internal and the external be in one unified whole and how beautiful we can mark that as a holy moment in their lives. That's what we Jews do, right? We try to take mundane moments and make them holy. We say in Hebrew, from Chol to Kodesh, right? We do that with uh, everything with eating, when we say a blessing over the bread. It's trying to take something that we have to do, we eat, but to take a mindfulness moment and to to acknowledge God and to acknowledge our struggles as a human being and the process of how that food got to the table, right? And the same thing is true for these individual unique life moments in the LGBTQ person. They are different than those necessarily. There's some we share with heterosexual people, no doubt, but there are some unique moments and this gives a grounding in Jewish prayer and thought and and philosophy, if you will
0: why as a rabbi and somebody who loves liturgy i i i'm profoundly moved by this book but why do you think that people of communities who aren't part of the lgbtq community what do you think they can gain from this i'd, I'd like to I, I know i have my thoughts but i'd like to hear from your right. perspective Because you're not just writing this for LGBTQ Jews, are
1: you? Oh, that's correct. This is not a book for queer people only, if you will. And there's a lot of prayers and blessings in here written by straight people, uh, sometimes family and friends, sometimes community members. uh, It's about the notion of inclusion and embracing. And I think what the prayer book does and this book of essays does is is talk about and weaves in the LGBTQ experience into the whole communal life. You know, it's one thing to say you're tolerant, but that doesn't mean that you are embracing of LGBTQ people. And that that we also acknowledge with this book that individuals have unique experiences in the world and that that is normative, right? That's an important statement not everything is based on one group's experience, and that's part of the broadening of the Jewish tent, of Abraham and Sarah's tent, of of what's authentically Jewish.
0: I, I find it fascinating when you focus on the difference between being tolerant and welcoming. Can you speak a little more to that? Because a lot of communities say, well, we tolerate everyone. But what what is that? What's the difference for you in religious communities? What needs to happen for you?
1: I, I think that's a it's a really good question, and it doesn't only uh, center around issues of of uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. We could have the same discussion around issues of race, uh, of social class. Um, when we really are talking about being to, inc- really inclusive, it's not enough to say, "Well, you're welcome in my space." It's about changing the space to represent and include all the voices. This is what we're seeing in, in the United States right now around the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not just white people's experience that is, the, that is the mainstream. We have to look at everybody's voice as being part of the mainstream and that experiences will be different and to celebrate those differences, not to be afraid of them, but to allow the space for people's voices to be centered. So for the LGBTQ community, this means for, uh, let's say as as church or synagogue, an organization, a community organization to be really embracing has to allow for more than just, well, you can show up at our events, you can show up and you can be welcome, but that doesn't take my experience as a lesbian woman into consideration that, My family, uh, two women and I have now a grown adult son, is a normative family. It's it's not different than your family. Uh, It might look different on the outside, but my child's experience of growing up was just as valid and important as your children would be. And that is part of the challenge of being an inclusive and embracing community. Because you have to talk about stereotypes that people hold. Um, And fears, and to be open and honest about them.
0: So, I guess my my question that comes from there is um, when we include, how do we include without patronizing? How do we include without saying, okay, well, now you've got a prayer about race. Now you've got a prayer about LGBTQ issues. So now you're, you're included. You're welcome. How, what's the process for communities, religious communities, and it doesn't just have to be reformed Jewish communities. Obviously it can be any faith community. How do they include people without tokenism?
1: Yeah. Tokenism is it's a, that is a danger, you know, doing one thing is not enough, right? It's, and that's why this book, I think, is so, Mishkan Ga'avau, Where Pride Dwells, is such an important book because it speaks volumes about our religious denomination. It's not enough to say, oh, my congregation celebrates pride and, and we're going to march in the pride parade in our city and that's going to be what we do for gay people. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to look deeper into that. And how do we we have examples of gay voices and lesbian voices trans voices throughout the year how do we have same issue around race are we having oh we're going to we're going to observe martin luther king day and that's going to be our community's way of acknowledging african americans and african american history and that's enough how do we center the voices of African-American leaders and, and in, in everything we do as, as woven into the community? So I'm just going to pick on you, Rabbi Neil, because you're here with me. When you give a sermon, mm-hmm. what are the voices that you quote in a sermon? Are they always white old Jewish rabbis or... Can you bring in somebody that you know is an openly lesbian person? Can you bring in a voice of a person of color and their experience to illustrate what is your sermon about, I don't know, taxes and, uh, and social justice? I'm just making it up. But no, I think a, these, it's are a good point. these are, these are, this is how to go deeper into that discussion. And then I think this, the other piece of this is to begin to deal with our, our, our fears our worries, and to be open and honest about the places where we might still be harboring anti-gay feelings, worry, you know, the old gay, what they call the gay panic defense. Oh, if I do too much gay stuff, we're going to be marked as a gay community. And then what will happen to our temple or what will happen to our church? No, it's about making an open space. Um, But we have to be uh, acknowledged and to be able to be in dialogue about those Fears of people and help them move to the next level.
0: I think what you said earlier about the mainstream is really important because I think as a as a kid uh, in my temple back in England, um, I just thought this was the voice, the voice of the temple, and not realizing that the mainstream voice is a is a of Jewish tradition has in the past been a straight voice. You know, when we sing Lecha for example. Uh, particular prayer, which I saw a very nice alternate version in Mishkan Ga'avah. Um, you know, thinking, but, but this is a normal metaphor, husband meets wife, and, and they draw together and connect, and that's fine, and, and that's a perfectly good metaphor and everyone understands. So it's interesting, I think, what you're talking about to me is not necessarily challenging the mainstream in a fearful way, but opening it up to say the mainstream needs to have more voices, otherwise it's it's just and a more
1: examples. I mean, you know, they think about the kids that sit in your schools. There's a percentage of them that are going to grow up to be lesbian or gay or transgender or, or are transgender. And if the only picture they have is of, let's say, a husband and a wife, and that, then, the, how does that? How do the, they have room in themselves self for the world? You know that in the United States, that. Uh, there is a higher incidence of teen suicide among LGBTQ uh, young people uh, that's epidemic. It's about a third higher than uh, if you look at uh, heterosexual teens and the issues that they have. Why is that? Because there's still so many messages in society that make it shameful for people to be, that guilt people about being LGBTQ, uh, so much that, frankly, religion has done uh, and still does in this country, uh, to try and force gay people into being something that they're not, rather than how can we yeah. help individuals live whole, healthy, and I'd like to say holy lives, as, right? And, and, and to be their best selves. And to acknowledge how God made them. And you know, of course, as you know, Rabbi, we say in, in Jewish tradition, but Selim Elohim, that everyone is created in the image of God. Well, it doesn't say in Genesis only straight people created in the image of God. That means all people. So um, so that's part of why this book, where pride dwells, allows that opportunity for that voice for people to see themselves in Jewish life in Jewish tradition and allows for uh, non LGBTQ people uh, straight cisgendered people to enter into that voice uh, and to and to be witness to that voice
0: we have to take a pause I want to pick up after our break on uh, what you talked about just before about the the damage that some people who are religious can do. And so we're going to come back to that question after our break, because I think it's a really important question. So we're going to take a pause. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Rabbi Denise Eger, international Jewish leader, social justice activist, and author of Mishkan Ga'ava, Where Pride Dwells. And we'll be back after this break. You're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Rabbi Denise Eger, international Jewish leader, social justice activist, founding rabbi of congregation, Kol Ami, past president of the Central Conference of American Rabbis and author of the groundbreaking book, Mishkan Ga'avah, Where Pride Dwells, A Celebration of LGBTQ life, Jewish Life and Ritual. And before our break, having a fascinating conversation about welcoming uh, as opposed to tolerating, but you mentioned something which I really don't want us to to miss out, which was the harm that can come to some LGBTQ people from religious groups. And and so I guess the question that I wanted to ask is how can the LGBTQ liberation civil rights movement better combat anti-gay people who say that they are religious?
1: Well, that's, it's a very powerful question, and the truth is the LGBTQ community needs religious leaders, both, both ordained and lay leaders, to uh, be allies in this battle. There are so many faith traditions that continue to, to trap and harm LGBTQ people, saying that they're, they're disposable, that uh, somehow that their lives are, are not valued. That that they are sinners, if you will, mm. and it really takes uh, you know a deep understanding of text and culture to understand why. In uh, it, particularly now, it's important to welcome and embrace LGBTQ people. First of all, in in the United States, this has been a battle around civil rights, as we know, and churches' influences have tried to skew and push aside uh, civil rights, equal rights. For LGBTQ people, uh, not only nationally, but state by state. And it takes really religious leaders and like in our Reformed Jewish movement, we have had a long history of embracing and welcoming uh, LGBTQ people and also standing side by side with the LGBT community for those civil rights. Because mm-hmm. we Jews understand what it means to be targeted uh, based upon who we are. We, it happened to us how many times throughout the centuries, whether in Spain because we wouldn't accept the Catholic Church and then the Inquisition and we're and and the and the expulsions from Spain, right? Or even as we know, right in World War II during the Holocaust and we know what that feels like to be targeted. And that what is what happens: many religions target LGBTQ people as not normal, as weird, as an abomination. And it takes people like you, Rabbi Neil, uh, like your congregation, to stand with with the LGBT community to say, do no harm, these are God's children, and they des- we deserve uh, not only equal rights on a footing, but uh, to be lifted <laughs> and celebrated for who we are. And I think that's <laughs> one of the things that de- the Reform Juda- Judaism has done uh, for many decades and, and has uh, really uh, been alongside the fight in that battle for equality.
0: I think a lot of those people, though, say, but you don't know what God wants to open up the Bible. It's right there. You know, I know what God wants. How do you respond to people like that?
1: Uh, Well, you know, most of the time I don't even bother to respond to people like that (laughs) because their (laughs) ignorance about the Hebrew Bible is is um, uh, is deep and great. Um, There is no time. uh, And most of the time, those folks are actually uh, far right uh, evangelical Christians. Um, And the truth is, no, not once does Jesus say the word homosexuality, not once in the New Testament. And the truth is, in the couple of passages that may hint at something about uh, sexual relations between two men in the Hebrew Bible, it's completely unclear what is being spoken about. Mostly it is spoken about as an issue of rape and dominance, Mm -hmm. which was common in the ancient Near East. Uh, and certainly throughout the Roman Empire as a way to humiliate your neighbor, to humiliate those you conquered, it's not talking about what we're talking about, about creating loving relationships, stable family relationships between individuals. And and I think that's a, a, it's a radically different idea. So, you know, the truth is you and I can prove the Bible says just about anything. Um, sure. And most of those people that are out there protesting, LGBTQ people, are actually are eating shrimp. And the Bible says much clearer about do not eat shellfish than it has anything to say about homosexuality.
0: You know, thank you. the 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 risk of damage is obviously very real, and I was I was very profoundly moved. It's on page fifteen of Mishkan Ga'avah, where pride dwells, a prayer for safety. Um, I want to when tell have... you about
1: this. I want to tell you a little bit about this particular prayer. I'm so glad you pointed it out, Rabbi Neil, because. You'll notice it's written by Anonymous,
0: yeah.
1: a 21-year-old, and it was written in 2019. This is a young woman who still feels as if it isn't safe for her to put her name in a, in a book. Yeah.
0: And I think this is, I, I'd actually like to share this, if, if I may, yeah. um, so that our, our listeners hear the, the kind of liturgy that we're talking about here. This is a prayer. Uh, it says god place me in a safe environment where i do not need to fear for my safety when i am with my significant other help create a world where i can hold their hand be affectionate and love my partner without hatred causing harm to my physical and emotional well-being keep me my family and my partner safe when our existence and love is tried by those who do not accept us and our lives and then has the hebrew which translates blessed are you adonai our god guardian of israel whose shelter of peace is spread over us, over all your people, Israel. I mean, so how all your people and over Jerusalem. I I found that so powerful as as a prayer to include, because for me, that that almost encapsulates the whole book, which is this sense of um, finding God in real experience. And just because that's not my experience, I can walk the streets and feel safe and I can hold my wife's hand and feel not judged at all.
1: And it's not a sexual thing that you hold your wife's hand. You hold your no. wife's hand because you love her and no. and you you want to show her affection. It's it's not sexual at all, right? It's about love. And ultimately that's what that's what LGBTQ people are talking about. It isn't about the sex, it's about love. It's about creating a family that that understands that larger notion of I am who I am, and I want to be whole and healthy and create that safe space. That is exactly that prayer. But it does speak volumes that even in 2019, even when we have gay marriage, even when we have, uh, you know, the Supreme Court this uh, past year said, uh, you know, that uh, Title VII includes protections for uh, in jobs and employment for LGBTQ people. You know, before this, there were still... 33 states in the United States where you could be fired. You could get married on a Sunday and you could go to work and put your your picture up of your spouse and you could be fired on a Monday. And it wasn't until the Supreme Court just this year, just in this term, said that no you, that, that you can't fire somebody for being gay or transgender. So there's there's still much work to be done on the front of equality and we hope that this prayer book where Pride dwells will inspire people, um, to take seriously their spiritual journeys, both as LGBTQ people and as and sacred communities, as we talked about, to embrace. And I, I, I want to just say, there's been a lot of people that I work with in the interfaith world, particularly mm-hmm. in, in the Christian world, who's been like, "Oh, this is good. I want. I'm gonna. Some of these prayers are applicable in my community." You know, um, that's been so marvelous and so um, so eye opening. I think for for a lot of our uh, uh, interfaith partners to think about how they're including uh, LGBTQ people in their prayer space as well.
0: And I guess partners is the next question for me. I appreciate we only have a few minutes left, but um, ha- how can we partner? How can we ally? How can we, you know, um, what what's best to help be inclusive? What's best to uh, i mean yes sharing these this liturgy listening to the voices creating new rituals is there anything else what what's the well, next step for us because i i hear i hear i read the insecurity and the desire to for inclusion i i hear the that voice of but we are mainstream too it's just you didn't let us be mainstream um how how do we help that that next process that What's the process of welcoming and inclusivity that needs to happen next?
1: I, th- I think those are really good questions. And I think each, you know, religious community or organizational life it has its unique moments, but I do think there has to be an, a, an open conversation about what is it will look like, us to be an inclusive and embracing community to find partners within your local neighborhoods there you know santa fe is an incredibly uh, got an incredible lgbtq community what partners uh both organizationally and individually can we have to help learn more about this um, how can we have human rights campaign i know does a lot of work in santa fe how can we partner with the human rights campaign to ensure uh the civil rights uh, are for all people, both locally and within our state and nationally. And I think those are conversations that have to happen. And um, I think that that the more they can happen, um, you will also send a signal to the LGBTQ people within your own congregation and mm-hmm. your, the children growing up, because there are, in your, you know, there are, they may not have told you yet, but there are, um, that, that their home, their sacred home is, has a space for them as well. And, um, I think these are these, this prayer book of where pride dwells, I have a few copies in each of your, you know, in your shelf, of course, in your study and in the congregation, that it's not just a one-off, um, sends also a huge signal to family and friends, uh, of LGBTQ people that also need, uh, embracing and welcome as well.
0: And I think also for me, I I'm, I'm learning the, the, the reminder of the appreciation that we all have a different sacred journey and so my sacred journey might follow a very traditional perspective although not that traditional I guess um, the um, but but we don't get to define other people's spirituality I think that's part of it for me isn't it and that that for me really comes out of the pages of of mishkan ga'ava where pride dwells
1: right and as um, like you say each person's spiritual journey is their unique journey don't make assumptions don't make assumptions that my spiritual journey is the same as yours or or uh, somebody else's is the same so i think that's uh, really important to center those voices and i think um it makes a big difference to to have that sensitivity it changes your way you relate to people uh, and he really does help you to see the divine in each and every person.
0: Thank you so much. I, I so appreciate this. I've learned so much from you, and I, I do hope that you'll be able to, to join us again um, to, to take this conversation forward. I, it's been absolutely wonderful.
1: It's been a delight to be with you, and uh, again, all your readers, Where Pride Dwells is available on Amazon, and it's available at ccarpress.org uh, in the Kindle form, if you go for Kindle. And uh, thank you for having me th- today.
0: So, thank you to Rabbi Denise Eger, uh, author of Mishkan Ga'avar, Where Pride Dwells, a celebration of LGBTQ Jewish life and ritual. Really, thank you so much. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.